0: Who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Episode 77 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Tiffany Henschel. Tiffany is from just north of Dallas, Texas, where she is a high school English teacher. Welcome, Tiffany.
1: Hi, glad to be here.
0: Well, I am so glad to talk to you today. I always love talking to fellow teachers. And I was sharing before we started with Tiffany, but I'll tell everybody, my favorite teacher from high school was my high school English teacher.
1: Yeah, and I added in that it seems like everybody's English teachers are either your favorite or your least favorite. There's not a lot of middle ground. (laughs) That
0: makes sense. But I loved my high school English teacher. She was very, very popular at our school and um, she just, you know, she was just a great, great person. So anyway, I love I love talking to other teachers. But let's get into intermittent fasting. You know, I like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that?
1: Well, I actually was a pretty normal weight in body shape when I was growing up. All the time when all through my childhood and my early teen years, I had a couple instances where I gained a little bit of weight because of some life changes and things that went on, but then when I went back home again and I was eating with my family with the food that my mom cooked, the weight just dro- you know slowly dropped back off again, and I went through my first pregnancy, gained weight, and then lost the weight again over the course of about a year. Second pregnancy, gained weight, lost the weight again, third pregnancy, the same thing. And then around the time of baby number four, I had this perfect storm of going through a lot of emotional stress. Plus, with all of the low-fat health craze in the 90s, I changed the way that my family ate. And those two together just made my weight start to climb and climb and climb and climb. So you started doing the low fat and the low fat actually caused you to gain? Yes. Um, And it was because of changing over to a mostly, it was a lot more meatless meals, a lot more greens, a lot more legumes. And I know right now through all of my experiences for the last four years, because I'm a meticulous tracker. That is exactly the opposite of how I needed to eat.
0: I love hearing you say that, Tiffany, because it just really illustrates how very different our bodies are, because the low fat era, that was when I would hit my lowest weight that worked so well for my my body, that I 100% believe you that that was not what worked the best for your body. It's just fascinating to me how different we all are. So after you were doing that, it just, it didn't work well.
1: No. And that combined with the emotional stress that I was going through, it just started to climb. And at that point, I really didn't care. And so it just went up and up and up and um, eventually... I was obese for twenty five years and my high weight was two sixty. And that was in um September of two thousand fifteen was when I really decided well before that I several months before that I decided that I needed to actually take action. But I'm a planner and like I said, a tracker, and I wasn't going to start something that I wasn't ready to finish. Yeah,
0: I think a lot of a lot of teachers are like that, right? We are like determined. We like to keep track of things, <laughs> and so you were just like, "I'm going to do this right. I'm going to plan it. I'm going to figure this out." So this was in 2015.
1: Yeah, 2015 was when um, I started with a shake plan, and I just totally took my just simplified my diet. And I lost 80 pounds over the course of a year. And so I was down to, that would take me down to about 180. And then I, as is, you know, the case with all restrictive plans like that, I just, I kind of got bored with it and I started to get lazy. And over the course of the next couple of years, my weight started to go back up again. But even worse than that I just didn't feel good. Was
0: this the one that you do like the shake for breakfast, the shake for lunch and then a quote sensible dinner?
1: Yes. Well, there are several plans like that, but yeah, it was one of those plans.
0: Yeah, those I I tried to do those and I they made me so starving. Like at, after I had the breakfast, the shake for breakfast, I what's really kind of hilarious is I realized if I skipped the shake for breakfast, I wasn't as hungry. <laughs> so I was like darn it, I should have just been fasting.
1: <laughs> Well, I never, I never got to that realization because I was also, you know, I had planned my food out for the day. So I had a shake and then a small snack and shake and a small snack. And I ate a couple, you know, every couple of hours all through the day. So I never had the chance to experience that being hungry. <laughs> well, that's good. Cause I just remember being just
0: so hungry from
1: those shakes.
0: The fact that you were able to stick to that for a whole year is, I mean, that's, that's kind of impressive to me, but I mean, like for real.
1: And actually I was, I stuck to it for not not full time, but uh, part time for actually probably a couple of years. It was 2017, I think, before I you know it really that. fizzled off. Matter of fact, from 2016 to 2017, I logged into MyFitnessPal and tracked every single thing that I ate for literally 365 days for a whole year. And I ended up, I stopped doing that because I noticed that I was starting to justify foods that were not good choices just because I could fit them into my calorie allowance.
0: (laughs) Oh, I get it. And you know, I've said this before on the podcast that the times when I was tracking calories is when I gravitated to the junkiest foods of all because they were the easiest to count.
1: Yep. Well, in... The sometime late fall of 2017, on a Facebook group that I'm in, somebody men- um, mentioned the obesity code. And so I bought the book right away. And then it sat on the shelf for the next several months. And I kept looking at it and looking at it and just ignored it and didn't do anything with it. And I kind of had a view towards um, my husband with that book because he is diabetic. And so kind of in the back of my mind, I think I, I bought it for him, but I eventually read it. And then in 2000, fall of 2018, I started experimenting a little bit with fasting by from, from reading the obesity code. And I wasn't really full time committed to it, but I started playing around with it. What a little did bit. you do
0: at that time? Like, how did you, what did you start trying
1: well, I just, um, I tried to do a 16-8 schedule, so I would s- stop eating late evening, and then the goal was to go to lunch the next day, but it was really, really, really hard because I didn't know at the time that I wasn't clean fasting, and so it was harder than it had to be. <laughs> that's true.
0: That's true. What were you having at that time, just if, if you don't mind telling me?
1: Um, well, I... I wasn't a heavy duty cream drinker, but I would put a little bit of cream in my morning coffee and I would sip some broth throughout the morning. And I was also drinking um, teas that had some flavoring in them. And I, I know now that I absolutely cannot do yeah, that. Me too.
0: Me too. Big, big time. Huge, huge change once I learned how to take all that out. <laughs> But it was really hard. I just want to reiterate that because that's how fasting always was for me. You know, I knew in my head it was going to be my answer, but all those years that I would dabble, just like you were describing,
1: it was so hard to do. Right. And even now, people ask sometimes, well, can I try apple cider vinegar in my fast? And my answer is always, well, I break a fast with apple cider vinegar, and then I'm hungry in about 15
0: minutes. (laughs) Yeah, it makes me hungry too. I remember when I was still, you know, considering apple cider vinegar, possibly the gray area, because so many people are like, yeah, it's no big deal. You know, that's an opinion that's out there. I was looking for a good wintertime drink. And so I was trying hot water with apple cider vinegar. And I was ravenous after I drank it every single time. (laughs) So I'm like, no, this is definitely not working in the fast <laughs> I wish it did Lord I wish apple cider vinegar worked during the fast I'd be so happy but
1: nope <laughs> well and I think that we don't know that until we have clean fasted for a period of time like you always tell people try it you know clean fast for a few weeks and then go back and, and see. I think so yeah I actually um, have
0: that in my new book Fast Feast Repeat um, available for pre-order coming out in June I keep saying that <laughs>
1: because <laughs> it's very <laughs> exciting.
0: But um, I, I have something in there called the Clean Fast Challenge for anyone who you know thinks, I would have sworn up and down that Stevia was not affecting me until I realized after I read the obesity code and cut it out, I realized it had been. And so, you know, taking the Clean Fast Challenge with those things that you think are not a problem, you'll see.
1: Yeah. In... January of 2019. So I started experimenting with fasting in the fall of 2018. And in January 2019, I decided to, to commit to it. And I actually have in last year's journal, I looked back and I saw January 7th was the first day that I actually, I wrote down everything that I ate. Now I still wasn't clean fasting yet. But in early January was when I committed to doing it on a regular basis. Were you still trying trying to do sixteen eight? Was that still the plan? I was, yeah, yeah. The plan was still sixteen eight. In the middle of February, I did my first accidental twenty-two hour fast. I hadn't really planned to do it, but as so many times happens, life just happens, and um, it was really, really, really hard. Because I was cold and I was tired and I was also hungry. So then later I realized, you know, it really wasn't all that bad except for being cold in the psychological aspect of it. I wasn't prepared for it. So I decided to go ahead and try it again on purpose. And from February until March of 2019, I did a 24 hour fast each weekend and right about that same time I also found the delay don't deny Facebook group and actually read your book um, and so I was just starting to hear about the clean fast idea and interact with people who were doing the delay don't deny type fasting versus just Jason Fung you know 36 and 48 hour fasts and in, in, in the other groups but Coinciding with spring break, I decided. Well, you know, I've I've got this 24-hour fast thing down, and so let me try 36. And so I hadn't heard the the terminology alternate day fasting yet, but in essence, I decided to try what I now know is alternate day fasting over spring break, and it actually worked really super well when I. And going through a period of alternate day fasting body composition just is exponential oh yeah it's really true if you tap into your stored fat so
0: well during a, during that time because you had that extended you know you're getting deeper into the fast and so your body is having to really tap into your fuel stores versus with the the daily eating window you know if I'm doing 195 you know, if peak fat burning starts to ramp up between hours 18 and 24, you know, if you're breaking your fast at 19, you're just barely getting in there. So,
1: yeah. Well, I, from March until June, I did a lot of alternate day fasting, but I ended up getting really close to my, to my goal. And I didn't have that much more to lose. And So I didn't have much more to lose, plus I wasn't really allowing enough time on my up days to get the refeed that I needed, and so I was getting too depleted. So at that point, I transitioned more to an eating window, and so for most of June through the end of December, um, I did the, the daily window approach, and that actually worked pretty well for the most part. And what was your window like? Like how long, approximately? In theory, um, five hours most days. When I get home from work, I don't end up usually using the whole five hours, but it's it's open in, in theory for five hours. A lot of times, it would only be three or four hours, and then on the the last couple of months of of the year, November, December, I. Decided that for my family's sake, since I was technically in maintenance on one of the weekend days, I just purposely extended to eight hours. So on the weekend, I would have an eight hour window. And then Monday through Friday with the work day, I would have a five hour window. And that worked pretty well. It's so much easier, isn't it? When you're working,
0: it's so easy. You know, when I taught, I just didn't eat at school. I would just come home, open my window. Is that kind of like the way it worked for you?
1: It's, yeah, it's wonderful. Now, I, I started bringing a, a snack that I would eat on my way home because school gets out of four and I found myself trying to rush through, you know, supper preparations and being a little bit short tempered because I was a little bit, by then I was starting to get a little bit hungry. So I I found that if I just had some kind of a snack on my way home to open my window that um, was what i needed. And that worked that works really really well for maintenance for me. Yeah, yeah that's important.
0: And i think that, you know, did you find like i did that when you got to a good weight for your body that, you know, your your declared maintenance weight, you needed to eat a little more
1: food. Yes, i did. I needed to eat a little bit more and over Christmas break since i had been in maintenance for several months i decided to experiment just a little bit because i was i had been pretty strict paleo for the last 14 months and so i decided since i i had some time and some flexibility i was going to loosen the reins just a little bit and Where intermittent fasting comes in is that that gave me the freedom to know that if I stepped outside those boundaries a bit and it didn't work well, I knew what I needed to do to get back on track again. Um, And I discovered that number one, I was absolutely right. I do need to limit my sugar, do need to limit my grains and the the various things that i instinctively knew that i was supposed to avoid i was right because i ended up ballooning 17 pounds over the course of a week wow 17 pounds in a that's week that's
0: kind of remarkable <laughs> see and i want to i want to re- reiterate something here that i think people need to understand that that is not 17 pounds of fat that is inflammation and water retention and it shows that your body is not happy. Exactly. And I I knew Because you cannot gain 17 pounds of fat in a <laughs> And week. that's what I, know. I don't, what what you did. Right. But you know, some people get con- I know you're not confused by it, but some people do. And so it really, I mean, your body
1: said, "Nope, this is not right <laughs> for me." Your body was not playing around. Wow. And that that was a pretty dramatic pretty dramatic change for me. And so that was my cue that, you know what, you're on the right track. You know that you need to avoid these things. And I have not had any kind of nutritional testing done personally, but I have a son and an uncle who are both um, verified celiac. And so I know that there's some genetic grain sensitivity in there and I know from even going clear back to when I was a baby, I have issues with dairy. And so, but it was, you know, I had the IF gave me the flexibility and the freedom to feel free to experiment. And it wasn't a failed experiment because I successfully learned that, yes, I need to avoid those things.
0: (laughs) Well, see, I think that's fabulous that that's a great way to spin it and to think about it because... First of all, you already had that hunch. You already pretty much knew, but then you experimented with it and you're like, yep. (laughs) You know, I know what what foods are problems for me. I I think most people do when you really say, I think it's probably, you know, X, Y, Z. If you think it is, it probably is.
1: Well, and I've also figured out that a lot of the things that I just innately didn't like growing up, I probably should avoid those things because I don't know. I, at this point, I don't know why my body doesn't like them, but it doesn't. So,
0: <laughs> yeah. So you still are, you're eating paleo pretty much paleo style.
1: Yes. And that is, that is my long-term plan. I don't think that everybody has to eat that way, but that is the way that I prefer to eat.
0: Cause it's the way your
1: body feels best. Exactly. I when I I need to be very low carb, paleo, and that's just the way that I feel best. I like the feeling of the lightness and the leanness. When I'm heavy on even even healthy carbs, I just feel bloated and and heavy, and I I don't like that feeling.
0: Yeah, and that's where the power is. Nobody told you you had to do that. You figured it out with, with trial and error, and you have really experimented with a lot of different ways of eating and you know how your body responds. And so you're choosing to eat in the way that makes you feel the best and helps you feel your leanest. And and that's where the power is with intermittent fasting and with you being in charge of how you eat.
1: Exactly. I do eat, you know, I, I eat exactly what I want because this is the way that I want to eat. <laughs> And see, that's I love that you,
0: you said that because some people, you know, they'll come in, they're new to intermittent fasting and they're like, do you really just eat whatever you want? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I don't want to eat foods that make me feel bad. Sugar gives me restless legs. I don't want to have restless legs. I eat what I want because I want to feel great. I don't want to feel bad. (laughs) Nobody's telling
1: you that you can't have sugar. You're choosing not to have it. (laughs)
0: Right. I eat what I want. And I eat, you know, so many things every day that I love. Those are the things I want to eat. You know, I had an off day yesterday. I was really busy. I actually had some fast food, which is very unusual for me. I felt blah after I ate it. So, you know, I'm like, you know, I really don't want to eat that anymore. <laughs> Let me put that disclaimer in there. Yep. It just doesn't, it doesn't serve my body well. And I was super puffy after I ate it. Yeah.
1: Well, I have discovered that I am, I am truly a, a sugar addict because even now after all this time, it still does taste good. And there is no such thing as one donut or one cookie for me because one leads to two, leads to three, leads to four, and um, so on. It
0: gets that brain going just like an alcoholic with the drink. Exactly. It, re- those reward centers don't know to, when to
1: stop. And and that's that's not to to denigrate you know or to trivialize alcoholics at all. It just shows the strength of of sugar. So I just have to completely stay away it's
0: similar pathways in the brain. And so it's not trivializing. I think at all the, the idea of being an alcoholic, that's you know, it's a different kind of poison in the body, right? But it's a different kind of problem. But it's the same kind of feeling that you're after.
1: Yes. And as long as I just just say no, and, and just don't eat the first one, I'm perfectly fine. I can I can sit beside somebody eating cake and I can sit beside somebody eating a nice gooey cinnamon roll with drippy frosting. Um, I I have no trouble being around it whatsoever, as long as I don't eat it myself. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And, and it's great that you have realized that, and then it becomes easy because you want to feel good.
1: Exactly. Feeling good is much better than the, you know, 10, 20 seconds of how it might feel in my mouth.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think that's important. And that's, you know, eating like a grown up when you realize that you would rather feel good than have that temporary, you know, you're able to just say, okay, I, you know, I know what's most important to me and it's not having that cinnamon roll. Although if I could, you know, snap my fingers and sugar did not give me restless legs, I would choose that. (laughs) (laughs) And just like, I bet you would choose it not leading to you overeating sugar, right? Exactly.
1: I would love to be able to eat a cookie and be satisfied and be done. But I know that that is, that is, it's now been 14 months and that is not the case. (laughs)
0: So you've been doing intermittent fasting for how long? Okay,
1: I've been I've been doing intermittent fasting, this will be 13 months since I've really been committed to it. It's been 14 months since I switched to a paleo diet. Yes
0: so you 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 kind of switched to the paleo first and then you were are switching to the intermittent fasting you committed to the intermittent fasting after that i don't think that's a coincidence you know cuz you found the food that worked well for you and that probably made it easier for you to really stick to the intermittent fasting do you think so
1: i do believe that 100% because i wasn't dealing with the, by the time I, I committed to intermittent fasting um, I wasn't dealing with cravings and, you know, carb and sugar withdrawal and any of that. So I had, I was eating foods that my body responds well to. So I only needed to deal with, um, with my eating windows and adjusting to the actual fasting aspect.
0: And was it March when you started the clean fast?
1: It was Yes, 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 cuz that that was right about the time when I found the Dilly Don't Deny Facebook group.
0: And when you switched over, what happened at first? Was it so much easier? Did you gain some weight? Did you lose weight more quickly? I'm always interested in the the clean fast transition.
1: Well, for one thing it became easier because I had been, you know, white knuckling it to get to 15 and maybe sometimes 16 hours. And so it became easier. And the weight also started coming off a whole lot faster. That's good to hear. Sometimes
0: people actually have some weight regain rebound. So that's why I wanted to ask.
1: So okay, so in March, in in March, I was just squeezing the beginning of March, I was just barely squeezing into some size 10s. And by June, I had gotten down to where I was easily fitting into a six. Wow, that's fast. And I haven't worn a six since I was an early teenager. (laughs) That was never... Yeah, I know. That feels good. That was never even a goal. (laughs) My my original goal size was to wear a 10 again.
0: (laughs) That's very cool. So I bet you're probably now four two, what have you
1: gotten down to? Um, depending on the brand, uh, between a four and a six, I don't think I'm probably going to get much smaller because I'm, I'm not that small boned. I'm five, eight. Right. Oh and, yeah. You're tall. Yeah. And I just don't see, um, I just for kicks, I tried on a size two the other day and they wouldn't even really go around my, my hips and my hips are, you know, they're, they're down to the bone. There's, I'm not a I'm not a pear. I'm not a pear shape, and so I just don't see myself getting any smaller size. It's your than frame, that. yeah. Your frame
0: size is not going to go any smaller. That's yeah, like w- where my hip bones are. It's exactly the same way. I'm not going to get any smaller because <laughs> that's where my hip bones are. <laughs> yeah, I totally get it. And I just happen to have a small frame, and so um, and I need to measure myself. I used to be five five. I bet I'm like five four. I should probably start telling people I'm five four. <laughs> been a long time since I've measured. (laughs) But what a great feeling. You know, your goal was to be a
1: 10. And then probably when you fit into those 10s, you're like, I did it. Exactly. And then, well, there was a period of time where with in and it was in late March, early April, I dropped a size in literally a week. I, you know, by all my, all my clothes are from consignment and secondhand. And I had just gotten comfortable I thought okay I just dropped down to a to a new size and so I bought three or four pairs of pants and then within a week they were literally big and baggy (laughs) that's the best feeling of all (laughs) but but I but I just cut the tags off (laughs) (laughs)
0: That happened to me when I hit a size 10. I went crazy and bought a lot of clothes because I felt so good. And then um, I didn't wear them very long. (laughs) And then the next time I went shopping, I was wearing a four. Like, I went shopping. I fit into 10s. I bought a bunch of 10s. And then it was still, like, wintertime. And I was still, like, wearing leggings and making do. And then when the springtime came, I thought I was going to be in a six. And so I was shopping and trying on all the sixes. This is when I hit my goal in 2015 because my goal was to be a six. That was it. So I tried on all the sixes and they were all too big. And I'm like, what? How did that happen?
1: (laughs) Are you kidding?
0: (laughs) Yes. Because the last clothes I had bought, I mean, I didn't even buy any eights. I didn't buy any eights or sixes. I bought tens. Then it felt like all of a sudden I bought fours.
1: Because you were, you had those, those forgiving, flexible, you know, leggings and stretchy clothes. And then,
0: yep, they got me through. And then it was just such a great feeling. And I really couldn't believe it (laughs) (laughs) when I went shopping. I was like, this is like the best ever. And and when you get to that point, you kind of start to just buy anything that fits you because that has that number in the label because you feel so good
1: about it. Yeah, I did go through that. And I've I've, um, gotten back to my, I have a pretty, pretty, finely tuned wardrobe. I have a pretty distinct style for myself. And so I've gotten back to only buying things that I know I'm going to wear. But, but there is that initial sense of freedom of, Oh, this is my size. I can buy it. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. You can just buy whatever you want. Now has your, has your sense of style changed since you've lost the weight? Well,
1: when I, in 2015, when I was a size 22, 24, I really, you know, you know what it's like at that size. You buy, you buy what you can find. And so over the course of the last four years, I have gone from really having no style at all because you buy whatever's on the rack. And I have, I have changed my style. For one thing, I had to first of all, determine what my style was. And then, then it became fine-tuned. As a matter of fact, the, the group, that I was in that I got the recommendation from the obesity code was actually a fashion group that really helped me fine tune and and determine how I wanted to dress and who I wanted to be as far as presenting myself to the world.
0: You know, that's, that's such an interesting way you just said that because it's true. You, you get to decide with your clothes, how to present yourself to the world? Exactly, and it does change when when you have all the clothes in the world open to you. Suddenly, you get to choose, and and if you've been, you know, covering up like like you and I both did when we were heavier, you know, I literally would just buy whatever I could find, like you said, and I did a lot of empire waist because even when I was heavier, you know, I had a smaller rib cage, even though my belly was ballooning out. Um, I couldn't see my toes, but <laughs> I would, you know, buy those high-waisted dresses and wear them over leggings. And what's so funny is when if I go shopping even this to this day with my husband, he still hands me things that I would have worn that style back in you know my obese. and I'm like, no, I don't wear that anymore. He still remembers like I wore that kind of shirt. And I'm like, I don't wear that kind of shirt.
1: <laughs> People get used to seeing us like that, and they think that that's who we are. And actually, I think we, think that that's who we are until we start to consciously make choices about, well, who I had to decide, who do I want to be? Who am I really? And what, what do I want to present to the world? And I've, it's taken over four years, but I think I have gotten to a sense of authenticity and I am on the inside the same as I project on the outside. And I've gotten to that point.
0: That's the best. I'm at that point, too. But I know what you mean, because all those years, you know, when you were wearing a size 22, 24, you did not feel like what you were on the inside matched what you were on the outside.
1: Exactly. Um, And I think part of the reason that I it took me I was obese for 25 years and it took me so long to really decide to take action was that I always felt felt like a thin person on the inside. I felt like I was just walking around with all this excess weight. But inside, I was a thin person. Now, when I looked in the mirror, I didn't see a thin person. But I always felt like... You knew that you were yes, there. Yes. Maybe that's because growing up, I was thin and healthy growing up. And so I that was my set point from when I was little. I don't know. I haven't... I haven't actually thought about that until I just now started talking about it.
0: (laughs) I have a question for you because this is just something I've I've heard other people say. Um, Are you about the size now that you were when you were a senior in high school? Would you say that you're about back to that size? Um,
1: Actually, I am smaller than when I was a senior in high school. Okay. Because I heard somebody say at one point that... You know whatever size you were
0: when you were a senior in high school is a good set weight for your body, and always think about that as perhaps you know what your goal should be. And so I was like, well, that's interesting, and I think I'm really close to that size. But I I wonder how that's going to change now that we have this new generation of kids who are um, struggling with their weight in a way that we did not to this degree. I mean, we had people struggling with their weight, of course, but not like now.
1: Well, yeah, now it is so hard to eat well, when you go to the grocery store and look at ingredients on, you know, pick up anything off of the shelf. And it has all kinds of sugar and artificial ingredients. And You have to go out of your way to eat well now versus when we were growing up, it was a lot more natural to eat well.
0: (laughs) It was. And uh, how long have you been teaching?
1: This is my 13th year. I didn't actually start teaching until I was in my mid 30s because I stayed home with my kids when they were little and um, didn't didn't start teaching until my mid 30s. I just saw the kids
0: changed a lot from the time that I started. I started teaching in 1990 and then um, retired And I guess, what was it, 2018, something like that. And, you know, I just – the kids changed. Like, we had very few kids that were overweight, and then it became more and more common to see. And I bet in high school, it's probably very striking. Yes.
1: Yes, it is. And we have so many kids. I just – I just feel for the kids that are coming through high school now because we have so many issues with anxiety and so many issues with attention disorders. And I, I know it's because of their all of the stresses in their environment and our food that we eat. And I know that it doesn't have to be that way for them, <laughs> but it, it is. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I also suspect, you know, it all goes to the gut, you know, the gut microbiome is so important for our health and all this fake food, you know, isn't growing a healthy gut for them. And so then they, they just struggle. And, you know, I, I had one son that um, had a lot of trouble when he was little. I think his gut was all messed up. Um, he had thrush when he was a baby. And so there were a lot of signs looking back now that I know that. Um, more than I did then at the time. I was just trying to survive with these two little children. But he had amazingly terrible sensitivities to food and chemicals, and it would change his whole personality. And I think it all, you know, was right there in his gut. You know, I, I think I ate a lot of processed food when I was pregnant with him. I would like to go back and have a redo <laughs> for all of that. You know, how much of it could have been helped with just food? And we changed his diet w- when we figured it all out. He was maybe... Three, when we started, we had a teacher that made the connection, His one of his preschool teachers. He got like kicked out of all the daycares. His behavior was out of control, but we changed his diet and it, it changed his life. And it was the first time I saw a connection with what kids eat and their behavior. And I saw it in my own son. I mean, he was like a different person.
1: I, I wish that I could go back and... and have a redo of some of those same things. My son that I told you about that is diagnosed celiac, he didn't discover that until he was in his late 20s. He, I think he was 26. And he is the one, he has struggled so much when he was in his adolescent years with, with anger and depression issues and much more so than than my other three. And so that I, I, just can't believe that there's not a connection there.
0: Yeah. When your gut is all out of whack, you know, it, 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 controls your emotions, your feelings, so much of that. Yeah. I've watched my son when he would have something that, that didn't work well for his body. He would, he would just, it was like a switch was flipped and he was a different, different person. And people who saw it, they're like, Oh, maybe you're not crazy. (laughs) I'm like, see? (laughs) And how many of the kids just if they were eating differently? And I just I wonder because you know, it's just not not getting better. It's getting worse.
1: Unfortunately.
0: So the goal is, you know, we want to, to teach people feed your kids real food.
1: Well, and that is so important, because I need to stick to a strict paleo diet now at this point in my life. But when I grew up, when I was healthy, um, we just ate. I mean, my it was homemade, but we had a varied diet. We had rice, and we had meat, and we had vegetables, and we had fruit, and every once in a while we had some kind of treats, but they were they were homemade. It was it was all it was all real food, and it was very unusual to go out to eat. Right, it was a big deal because it was just not what. We did, and we had, you know, there was there were several of us at at home, and so we just ate at home, and that was what we did. If
0: you were lucky, you might go out to eat, like
1: <laughs> you know, some families
0: got to go after church every Sunday, and I always envied them. With the, you know, they were <laughs> would go to like the Tasty Freeze or something. as we had a Tasty Freeze, <laughs> but um, you know, no, we were mostly eating at the house, eating at home. Yeah, times really have changed because I think. I cook, you know, a meal for us to eat at home every night. We eat at home. And people are like, y'all sit down at the table every night. <laughs> and it's it's like, like, but that was what we did growing up, right? You know, I remember my, my mother, my mother was a dance teacher. So we did some crazy stuff. But when I was at my dad's and my dad and my stepmother and my brothers and my sister, it was a dinner on the table every night. Everyone sat down together and ate it.
1: Well, and and Sunday dinner was an especially big deal at our house because we that was when we got out the wedding china and the silver and the crystal. And so that all has good memories for me because we actually used it. That was just part of our routine.
0: (laughs) Yep. And my grandmother, she always did the big Sunday dinner. But she also, I remember when I would be at her house, she, she's the one I inherited the China from that I talk about in Delay, Don't Deny. And um, I think I'll eat dinner on that tonight now that we're talking about it. I'm going to pull that out. <laughs> but, um, you know, she would cook lunch every day for my grandfather. He would come home from, from work for lunch. And she prepared lunch for him. And they sat at the table and ate lunch. And then he went back to work. And then he would come home for dinner and they would sit at the table and have their dinner. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, um, it just, it, I remember that just so fondly of that they made time for that every day.
1: Well, I think we're missing a lot as a society by not doing that. There's so many, besides just food, so much of our culture is not being transmitted because we don't take time to do that anymore.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. We just, everybody's rushing around and the kids are so busy. I'm sure you see that as a high school teacher, how busy the children
1: are. Oh, yes. Especially at the, when, when they get to the high school level, when they're taking, you know, they're involved in music and they're involved in athletics and they're taking honors classes, you know, five and six honors classes. It's a crisis I think for a lot of, I think so
0: too. The pressure i it, I didn't realize how bad it was until it was like my next to last year of teaching somewhere towards the end. I was going to have a, um, an event. I wanted parents to come. And I was like, all right, so we could share our projects. It was the end of the school year. I'm like, all right, let's have this event. What day of the week would be the best for everybody to come in the evening and bring your parents? And and so I'm sitting there. These are fifth graders and they're like well i can't on monday cuz i have traveling soccer we have to be there well i can't on tuesday cuz that's the swim team and i have to be there every single night of the week the children in my class had mandatory activities they're in fifth grade and like when i was in fifth grade i think i was just like rolling down the hill you know <laughs> you know
1: we went to wednesday night church but i think you know it, it that, that was, was it. it you you had wednesday night church and then that was the only night that anybody did anything.
2: <laughs> Let's face it. People have different sleep needs. While you love your partner, sleeping next to them might not always be the most comfortable. Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Maybe you prefer a firmer mattress and your partner needs something softer. Because of the individualized comfort that you get from Sleep Number Smart Beds, you and your partner will sleep better together. All Sleep Number Smart Beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Slash Awards only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car or a house. It's the four wheels that get you where you're going, and the four walls that welcome you home. When you combine auto and home insurance with Amica, we'll help protect it all. And the more you cover, the more you can save. Amica, empathy is our best policy.
0: It was. We did we had nothing. And then you know, in the spring there might be some little league here and there, but it was not a big deal. And it wasn't so much like it is now. And and so you know, we we've got to teach our kids first they need to eat a little better, then they need to slow down.
1: (laughs) I don't know what how we fix it. The the busyness also affects what they eat too because they're they go from school to their practice of whatever it is. And so they have to eat on the road and it's just affecting our health all from multiple, multiple um, avenues.
0: Yeah, it really is. So if we could just get everybody back around the table, time together, eating the real food that would, that would really, I think, help a lot of the issues that, that we're facing. But I don't know how we do that. The whole culture would have to change. And I don't see that shifting anytime soon,
1: unfortunately. Uh, no, unfortunately, I, I don't know what the solution is. One meal at a time, I guess.
0: <laughs> I guess you're right. You're right. So shifting gears a little bit, does anyone else in your family do intermittent fasting with you? Or are you alone
1: with that? My daughter is doing intermittent fasting. She's not she's not on a strict schedule, but she tries to do to at least get to a a 14-hour fasting window or 16 sometimes. Is she still at home with y'all or is she Um oh no, no. All of my 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 youngest is is 24. So all of my my children they they're all right here around Your nest us, is empty. My, well, my, <laughs> my nest is, is, is very full on a daily basis, but officially it's empty.
0: <laughs> they come and see you a lot. Is that what they do? Yes. Do you have any
1: grandkids that come in? And- I do. We have, um, six boys, six grandkids. Oh, wow. And they're all
0: close by.
1: Yes. They're all close by. And so that's, that's been fun. But my dad, is on He's not strict, but he's roughly on a fourteen ten schedule. My, um, I have a, a sister who is is actually part of the delayed them to my Facebook group, and she is is fasting as well. Um, she has a whole. She's really trying to work through her issues because she has a lot of metabolic healing that needs to happen oh, yeah. and so she has really struggled but she she has been fasting for several months now and is she feeling better is she is she finding that that's that's helping her metabolically she feels better she's really struggling to lose but she has a, lo- a lot of issues that that she needs to get straightened out. matter of fact she just did the um the everly well food, the food sensitivities, sensitivities yeah and and to try to figure out some of some of her issues and discovered that some things that she has been been eating are actually possibly causing her some some trouble so
0: yeah well that's so important because you know just like you discovered that you feel great and you're able to lose weight when you eat paleo style i'm sure there's something that that will make her feel her best as well i wonder if that would be paleo has she ever tried that y'all have the same genetics
1: (laughs) no it is it is not um because some things that I do well on, she she does not. And so I don't know what, I don't know how she's going to end up needing to eat. For one thing, she needs lower fat than I do. I I have a, of a higher fat threshold than she does. And she actually, she needs an early window. She doesn't feel well having a late window and I need a, a mid to late day window. And so I think we're different.
0: Yeah, it sounds like y'all are. How about your husband? Does he do it at
1: all? not, he's not really on board. He's, we talk about it. I think that he's interested in the idea of it, but he is not ready to, to jump in and start yet. I get it.
0: You know, and I know that you mentioned earlier that you actually were first attracted to the obesity code with the idea of, you know, perhaps that would help your husband with his,
1: with his diabetes. Yes.
0: Yeah, but not everybody's ready. You know, my dad is diabetic and he's he's not ready either. <laughs> and you know, it's hard hard to change and you have to really want
1: to. Exactly. My mom is not fasting right now because she has she has a lot of health problems right now and it's a struggle for her to eat anything at all. So for her to just eat <laughs> is a victory, but she is 100% on board with the idea. And she's very scientific minded. Um, she's taught nursing at the university level. And so she's actually kind of my sounding board. And we talk about all things fasting and diet related, even though she doesn't actually intentionally fast herself. I mean, she probably. Uh, does actually fast because of not being able to eat but <laughs> it's not intentional.
0: <laughs> you know, nurses really seem to get it. I have a um, a group that we get together every Saturday morning for coffee here in Augusta and a lot of the people that come are nurses and they for some reason they just as soon as they hear about intermittent fasting and start digging into the science they're like, "Oh, now it makes sense." <laughs> So I love the nurses, all those intermittent fasting nurses who just get it. So besides the weight loss and fitting into the fours and the sixes and, you know, solving the problem that plagued you for all those 25 years, have you had any other positive health changes?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, I had literally debilitating seasonal allergies. I would live. Year round, I took a twenty four hour Claritin and me then, too.
0: Yeah, I took um, Zyrtec. I no wait, what did I take? I can't remember one of those Allegra. That's what I took. I took it every day.
1: I took it every day year round, and then it it that high point when the allergies were especially bad. I would take Benadryl around the clock. Me
0: too. Oh my gosh, Ex- we had the same exact thing. I took and and does Benadryl not make you sleepy?
1: Not when I've been on it for a couple of days. Like the initial first, second, you know, first couple of doses would make me sleepy. But by the time I had it in my system constantly, it didn't make me sleepy anymore.
0: It didn't make me sleepy because I'm ADHD. But (laughs) (laughs) it it would rev me up. I can't sleep on Benadryl. But the same exact thing, Allegra every day and during peak season, Benadryl stacked on top of that. And zero, I have not taken an allergy medication since probably... Really, it was when I started fast and clean. I think it was 2016. That's when my allergies went away. So are yours
1: gone? Um, I. It has been over a year since I've taken any allergy medicine, at all. They are completely gone. My hay fever is like is totally gone. My um, and my skin is clear and smooth, and so it's affected my skin tone. It's affected the 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 brightness in my face. I had some lipomas that were under my skin. And the first time I discovered that they were possibly gone was when I was taking a shower and I realized, oh, wait a minute, where did that bump go? And started, I, I, started, <laughs> I started feeling around and I couldn't find them anymore. Well, wow. and <laughs> so, how long had you had them? Oh, I don't even remember a really long time because my my dad has them. And it's just something that I had.
0: (laughs) Right. Your body just ate them up there. And then
1: (laughs) so I I went to Google and I Googled, you know, lipomas and fasting and discovered, no, it wasn't. I wasn't crazy. Sometimes they did disappear. (laughs) Right.
0: I love it. These are all the things, you know come to intermittent fasting your life homas will all disappear people are like that's made up <laughs> that can't be true seasonal allergies will be gone no <laughs> um
1: that's great sometimes people talk about the vision improving slightly and my my vision has not improved at all but for the first time since um i've worn glasses since i was in third grade and I have an extremely strong prescription. We're talking. Um, my contact prescription is a is a minus ten, and for the first time since third grade, my prescription didn't get worse. Oh, that's good. So I would just call staying the same. victory.
0: (laughs) I would too. Yeah. My eyes did not get better either. (laughs) The people who they have, I believe it, but mine did not. And my gray hair did not go away and neither did my cellulite. So darn it. I would like to be one of those people. My gray hair is gone. My cellulite's gone. And my eyesight's perfect. But no. (laughs) No. I'll take the seasonal allergies for the win.
1: (laughs) Well, and yeah, because I would, there was even peak seasons of the year. Mountain cedar is really, really bad here. And I would actually, even with the Claritin and the Benadryl, I would end up missing a day or two of work every January because it would literally give me flu symptoms,
0: uh, I had to stick Kleenex up my nose like a like a stopper. Like, I'm not kidding, to sleep. I would sleep with Kleenex stuck up my nose.
1: I get it. I'm sure
0: it was attractive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure my husband loved that look, the Kleenex nose look. <laughs> it was awful. Well, we are almost out of time, Tiffany. So to end, what would you tell someone just starting off with intermittent fasting? Or what do you wish you knew when you first started?
1: Well... I wish that I knew about the clean fast, of course, because that made everything so much easier. But I would also for somebody just starting out, I would tell them to listen to the body that they currently have. And what I mean by that is even now, over a year later, I need to change my routine sometimes, sometimes a daily eating window is what I need. But Sometimes an alternate day fast pattern is what I need. So when I gained that seventeen pounds of inflammation over Christmas break, a daily eating window was not resolving it, and so I needed to be flexible and switch back. So just listen to what you're not only listen to your own body, but listen to the body you have right now. Is that's huge. telling you. That is
0: really, really good advice. And realize that what you need right now is not going to be the same all the time, something that you're going to need to change it up.
1: Right. Because whatever needs you have right now may not be what your body needs in two weeks or in a month. Yep.
0: Well, that is such good advice. Well, Tiffany, thank you so much for talking to me today. And I really appreciate you
1: telling your story. Well, thank you. Um, I am just glad to have had a chance to, be able to share a little bit and hope my experiences can help somebody else. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell?
0: Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. Learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at recordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the
1: podcast.